So we've been in this series that's called The Journey. And this series, The Journey, has been all about faith. And the definition of faith, when you look at it in the dictionary, is complete trust in someone or something, right? That's what faith means, complete trust in someone or in something. And can I tell you, there is an affront against faith right now. It's always been there, but man, is it strong right now. And I, I wrote down this statement as I was studying for this series, even before the series started, and I said, we cannot claim to have faith in God if we do not trust God. We cannot claim to have faith in God if we do not trust God. See, many times we claim we're in faith, but we're not trusting God. Then we're not therefore in faith. Because faith is when you're putting your trust and the world will try by every means necessary to get you to shift or take away your faith and put it on anything else but God. It's what the world system wants. Your faith on anything but God. It's why we're seeing this affront in everything from, from, from movies to school to the university to, to, to political climate to the healthcare in everything. We're trying to get people to shift their focus and shift their faith. Now, I'm going to be very clear. I am not anti-medicine. I am not anti-doctors. I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm not anti-any of that. I am anti-putting your trust in anything over God. That is what I am anti. See, there's people that put all of their trust in the stock market for their provision. I'm anti-that. Nothing wrong with the stock market if you know how to do it or whatever. There's nothing wrong in refinancing your house if the interest rates were good. I'm anti finding everything else to help you get through life other than God. And so we try to medicate ourselves with all kinds of different things. I'm not talking just medicine here. We, we medicate ourselves with video games. We medicate ourselves with movies. We medicate ourselves with, with TVs. We medicate ourselves with food. We medicate ourselves with all kinds of different things in order to be able to shift and, 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 and kind of almost numb us to what's going on. But as we are numbed, it also numbs our faith. And if our faith is numb, we will never attain that which God has for us. On this series, The Journey, throughout every part, we've spoken about a specific journey on this vacation we went on in March. And uh, we talked about going to Diamond Head and my wife talked about uh, when she spoke about faith over fear, uh, uh, climbing to see the turtles. We talked about uh, all these different things. And while we were on vacation, my wife tells me one morning or one evening, we were going to go around the island the next day. And she said, I found this cool place. It's called Mermaid Cave. And I was like, all right, where'd you find it? She's like, I don't know how I found it. And I got a picture of Mermaid Cave. I, I took this picture from inside the cave. It's really cool. It's about 10 feet underground. You only can access it during low tide. But can I tell you, when she told me about going to Mermaid Cave, she began to read the reviews of Mermaid Cave. And can I tell you, if you were to Google search, don't do it right now, you can do it later. But if you were to Google search Mermaid Cave, Oahu, and you start reading how to get there, it is terrifying. Like it tells you, take water with you. It tells you, Take, listen to this, take a first aid kit with you. Now, if you're telling me go check this place out and carry a first aid kit, I don't know that I want to go. 
But my lovely wife says it's only a few miles from where we're staying. So we're like, all right, we'll check it out. And I'm trying to be the cautious, right? I usually, I'm the, I'm, see, not usually, I am the adventure junkie of our family. I am the one that you don't have to tell to think twice. Like I, I jump. I, I, I remember on our honeymoon, we went to this, we were doing this like ropes course and they're like, we're going to do the leap of faith. Who wants to go first? I'm like me. My wife's like, we just got married. You know, like it's the best day. And so, <laughs> good comeback. Man, that was good. You just got burned, Wilson. That's what my kids would say. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're planning to go to Mermaid Cave. And I'm like, all right, it says, that, it says there's jagged rocks. It says if you get caught there during high tide, it might be washed out to sea. It, <laughs> it says there are placards with people's names all across it because of the lives that have been lost. Like, this is what the article says, people. And so we get to this park and we park and we all get down and we're starting to walk around and look for Mermaid Cave and God had an angel there for us. He said this gentleman that was just ginormous manly man, like, Hawaii, like a Hawaiian man, like you, know, like you could see him, you're like, he's a warrior guy, right? And he's got a shirt that says, real men worship Jesus. I was like, I got to go talk to that guy. I'm like, excuse me, sir, I'm sorry to bother you. I see you with your family. You're setting up. It, look, it smells good. You guys are cooking something. It smells good. But we're looking for Mermaid Cave. And he goes, oh, yeah, bro. All my cakeys are down there right now. Not your cakes, your cakeys. Those are your kids in Hawaiian, right? My kids are down there. We going down there. They're down there. And I was like, all right, if he, if he lets the kids go by themselves, it, it's got to be fine, right? So I'm like, all right, cool. And, and so he goes, there might be a ladder. So like you get to this hole and there's like a ladder and you like climb down and, and that and he's telling us all these things and, and I look and all, all my kids are wearing, you know, chancleta, sandals. I was like, let's go to the car, let's put our boots on. Like, let's, go, let's get ready for this. And, and so we go and, and they, they weren't lying. There's placards with names all over the place. Now, I think it's because in Hawaiian culture, they bur do a lot of burials at sea and then maybe that's a point where they put the names or whatnot. I don't think people that died there because, you know, Hawaii is part of the United States of America. And so I think they would have kind of like ended it if it was people dying there, right? Like, like I don't, it wouldn't be happening. But, but, but anyways, the question is, how are we going to handle this journey? And we did. We, 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 we put on our shoes, and we started climbing, and we took a bunch of pictures, and we got to this hole. And you look down this, this precipice and all of this rock and all of this thing, and Patty says, you go first. And so, so uh, yes, dear, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot, right? So I get down there. I was like, all right, give me Abigail. So we get Abigail down there. And I'm like, all right, give me Alexander. Alexander's like, I don't know if I want to go, Dad. All right, give me Samantha. I take Samantha down there. And then I'm like, Alexandra, we're all down here. Come on. So I bring Alexandra down there. We, here's a picture of all of us down at the mermaid cave. Patty's missing because she didn't go down. <laughs> See, she, she said to me, but if you get stuck down there, who goes to get help? When, when I go to start climbing, she's like, leave me your cell phone just in case. Now, let me tell you something. A few weeks ago, she preached about the encounter with the turtles. 
That was the same day, about four hours later. I have a feeling the faith to encounter the turtles and go over those rocks barefoot was because she saw the faith journey we had encompassed and she missed out on a piece. See, sometimes what you missed out on, God can use it to propel you on your next faith journey. I don't know who that's for this morning, but I feel in my spirit right now, I didn't even say this in first service, I feel in my spirit, some of you in here are watching online, you feel you are in a place of disqualifying because you missed God at one point. But God says it's a step in your new journey. All right, let's get back to the message. Now, at one point my wife even said, because there's this guy that he keeps like walking across all the rocks and diving into the ocean and swimming into the cave. She's like, honey, you're adventurous. Go do it. <laughs> and I said, I would accept that if I do it, you know, Abigail's right behind me and Samantha. Alexandra, maybe after three times of us doing it. So I was like, no, oh, no, no, let's, let's, let's not ruin our vacation. I, I've ruined many a vacation with adventureness. Ask my bad and ask my mom. Um, but any which way, we're talking about faith and this journey. And I want you to understand something this morning. We need to build a faith culture. The message title this morning is a faith culture or building a faith culture. And what do I mean by building a culture of faith? See, whatever you celebrate or whatever you tolerate is the culture that you create. I'll say that one more time. What we celebrate or what we tolerate is the culture that we create. I've heard this several times over the last year from things with business and leadership, but can I tell you it is very true in our home as well? I mean, do you know any 17-year-old that perhaps rules their house with an iron fist? Can I tell you it started when at two they tolerated things as parents? Sorry, I, I know that's not very, but I'm telling you the truth. If you celebrate it or if you tolerate it, it's going to become part of every day. It's going to become part of the culture. And we need to learn from Jesus because can I tell you that Jesus did not tolerate unbelief and Jesus celebrated faith. As a matter of fact, if we look at it this way, and we're going to go through scripture because if you don't base it on scripture, then it's just an inspirational speech. So Jesus confronted unbelief. Let's look at the word. Watch. He confronted unbelief and underdeveloped faith. Start in Matthew chapter number six this morning. Matthew chapter number six. Verse number 30, this is Jesus talking towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow's thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He says, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, little here is not a quantity, Rather, it is a wavering or an underdeveloped faith. 
is what Jesus is telling the disciples and the people here listening at the Sermon on the Mount. The, the, the word in the original language is the word oligopistis. It's not apistis, which means anti-faith. It's oligopistis, which means it is a little faith or an underdeveloped faith. Now, this passage where Jesus looks at them and tells them, will he not much more clothe you, O you of underdeveloped faith, is the culmination of him starting to talk about anxiety. He says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about your, your height or don't be anxious or worried about this or that or the other. Why is he confronting underdeveloped faith when it comes to worrying? Because worry and anxiety are faith killers. So Jesus didn't tolerate it in his disciples. He's like, he didn't tolerate it in this people he's talking to. He's like, you got to get rid of this unbelief. You cannot be worrisome. If God cares about the lilies of the field, how much more is he going to care about you? So that's one instance of we've ever seen Jesus confronting this unbelief or underdeveloped faith. Flip over to chapter number eight. Chapter number eight, verse number 26. Look at Jesus here talking again. He says to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Why are you fearful, O you of oligopistes, underdeveloped faith? What happened here? This is the passage where Jesus tells the disciples, let's go out on the sea. And they go out there, and Jesus, he, he must have been exhausted. After ministry, you get tired. Like, 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 don't talk to me after service sometimes. Like, I, like, I like go home and like zonk. Because his ministry is tiring. So Jesus gets on the boat, and he goes to sleep. And a storm comes. And the disciples, which a chunk of them were actually fishermen who have been out at the sea, they go wake Jesus up. They're like, right? like get up. Do you not know we are dr- we, we, we're, we're, we're sinking? We're going to drown. And Jesus is like, bro, why you wake me up? You underdeveloped little people faith. Right? Like, and he gets up and he rebukes it. But what does he start? Before he says underdeveloped faith, he says, why are you fearful? Why? Because fear is a faith killer. Because fear will not allow you to develop your faith. Because fear will stop you from believing. So again, Jesus confronts anxiety and worry because that'll kill your faith. He confronts fear because that'll kill your faith. And he says you need to develop. You need to build it. You need to work on that faith. Watch. Flip over a few more pages. We're going to go to chapter number 14. Chapter number 14, verse 31. This is, again, Jesus talking. 1431, he says, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Can I be real for a moment? I've had issues with this verse. (laughs) Pastor, you've had issues with a verse in the Bible? Yes. Sue me. I've had issues with this verse. Like, I want you to think about what's happening here for a moment. This is when Jesus sends the disciples off on the boat. And he stays to pray. The dude is so full of the presence of his father, he begins to walk on water to the other side of the lake. And he's walking on water, right? Like going. The disciples see him. They're like, it's a ghost. He's like, no, it's me. Peter, being the good Echapalante guy that he is, right? Like he's like the first one always to jump in. Peter's like, Jesus, if it's you, command me to walk on water. Very elaborately, Jesus says, Come. Peter steps out of the boat and starts walking on water. 
Any of you walk on water lately? Because I haven't. Every time I try to walk on water, I fall. Like, Lord, today is the day. <laughs> no, hasn't happened yet, right? <laughs> and then... He starts to sink when he starts looking at the waves and feeling the wind. He takes his eyes off of Jesus. He starts to sink and he says, Jesus, Jesus extends the hand, pulls him up and says, oh, you of little faith. But if I was Peter, I would be like, little faith, the other 11 are on the boat. I got out of the boat, you know, like, like, like I got out of the boat, Jesus. What do you mean I got little faith? I got a little more than them. <laughs> it's like, it says, oh, you of underdeveloped faith, why did you doubt? See, doubt's another faith killer. Anxiety, worry, fear, doubt. See, those kill your faith. Now, can I, can I, can, can I pass to you for a second here? I don't care how long we have been Christians. We can always still develop our faith. See, think that for a second. This is the challenge I get from God when I'm like, but God, like he walked on water. Yes, but the call I had for Peter was so great that he had to continue developing that faith. See, Peter's the one that answers Jesus when Jesus says, Why, who do the people that said that I am? And then who do you say I am? And he says, you are the son of God and you are the, 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 the Messiah, right? You are the one. And Jesus says, upon, upon this rock, not Peter, upon that statement of who Jesus is, I'm going to build my church. Peter's the one that later on is walking by and people are being healed by his shadow. Peter is the one with John that look at the lame guy by the entrance of the temple and, and the guy's asking for money. He says, man, silver and gold I don't got, but what I have I do give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. The guy had a lot of potential to get to, so he had to continue developing our faith. And many times as even seasoned believers, we allow a stagnation to come in, if that's even a word. We become stagnant and we get to this place where we stop developing our faith because we compare ourselves to the faith of those around us, And because we have a little more faith than the other ones around us, we think we must be good. But Jesus confronts that thought and says, no, you've still got more to go because you doubted and wavered. So anxiety kills faith. Worry kills faith. Fear kills faith. Doubt kills faith. Can I show you one more? This is Jesus. This is not David. This is Jesus confronting unbelief. Matthew 16 Verse number eight. I love this one. Jesus being aware of it, and I'll tell you what it is in a minute, said to them, oh, you of little faith, why do you reason, underline reason, among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. See, another faith killer? When you try to reason it in your head. When you try to understand it. When you try to rationalize it in your understanding It'll kill your faith. Now, what's happening in this passage? This is when Jesus looks at the disciples and he says to them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples, they look at each other and it's like, we didn't bring bread today. Is he, is, is he talking about the fact that we don't have bread? And Jesus is like, bro, like, like really, like I just imagine like, bro, like, sorry, man, I was like, hasta cuando, right? Like, like, like how much longer, guys? Do you not recall that just a few days ago, there was 4,000 people and we had like two pieces of fish and five breads and we fed them all. 
And a few days before that, there was 5,000 men plus women and children, and we had like two fish and three pieces of bread, and we fed them all. I'm not talking about bread, people. Stop trying to reason. Jesus confronted unbelief. Why? Because he was trying to build within his disciples and us a culture of faith. We believe it. We hope for it. We expect it. Expectancy. Hope and expectancy are tied to faith. Is why Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Why? Because when you stop hoping, when you stop expecting, you stop walking in faith. Listen, oh man, I, stop reading the fact that Miami's that most expensive place to live. Because we have a whole generation of people right now that are afraid of our city, which is an amazing city, because they say it's the most expensive place to live. And that they, they lose all hope and expectancy. No, your reliance is in God. Let's go enjoy the beautiful city we live in. And trust in him. Sorry, I'm going to go off topic. Let's learn how to budget. Let's stop buying a $7 Starbucks. Nothing against Starbucks if you got it. Because for 7 bucks, you can make about 38 cafe con leches in your house. Just saying. Oh, I can't afford a house. But if you look at your Starbucks and your McDonald's bill, you spent about $750 last month. Pastor, I'm believing to have more. What about if God already gave it to you, but your mismanagement squandered it? Okay, let's get back onto faith. Your faith needs to be confronted when there's unbelief, when there's worry, when there's doubt, when there's fear, when there's anxiety. But can I tell you, you don't just confront it. You then have to celebrate the faith you see. Jesus didn't just confront unbelief and just confront it when he saw it. He also celebrated faith. Again, let's back it with the word of God. Go to the book of Mark. Go to the book of Mark, chapter number five. Mark, chapter number five. Verse number 34, Mark 5, 34. You guys have heard this passage. You've probably heard a gazillion preachings on it if you've been a Christian for three minutes. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What happened here? This is the story of the woman who for 12 years had an issue of blood. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, did she have a hemorrhaging issue? Was it an issue with her menstrual cycle? Was it an issue with, with, with what is the situation? We don't know specifically. We just know she was unclean because she had blood flow for 12 years. We know she had trusted in everything else but God for 12 years because the Bible tells us that she had spent all of her money, all of her livelihood, yet wasn't any better. And she gets to a moment when she's lost everything that she hears about Jesus and she puts the hope and expectancy. And she says this, if I only touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. But then there's another problem. See, we forget this part. She gets there and Jesus is surrounded by thousands of people. He's in the middle of a crowd. 
What's her faith, right? He said, Jesus celebrated her faith. Your faith has made you well. Well, part of her faith was, I'm going to go see Jesus. Part of her faith was, I'm going to touch Jesus. Part of her faith was when she got there, she didn't say, well, I guess next time he walks around, I'll get him because there's too many people today. No, 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 no. She presses through the crowd. She presses through. She doesn't announce herself. She just touches his garment. And Jesus stops on a dime and says, who touched me? Peter. Jesus. What do you mean who touched you? Like, look around, bro. Everybody's around us. He's like, no, 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 no. It was a different touch. Power left from me. See, when faith, hope, expectancy in God, that trust reaches the point of contact of him, there's power. So Jesus looks at her and says, your faith has made you well. Do you understand Jesus did nothing? Jesus was just walking. All of the faith was on her. He celebrated that. He celebrated it. Flip over a few pages. Go to chapter 10. Chapter 10, book of Mark, verse 52. Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. What is happening in the four verses before it? This is blind Bartimaeus, blind from birth. Sitting there, hears a commotion. He's heard about Jesus, but he can't get to Jesus. But he hears a commotion. He says, what's going on, everybody? They're like, Jesus is coming. He's like, this is my shot. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples, They shushed him. Mm, when a Christian tries to shush another one, oh, that hurts, doesn't it? That's not today's topic. Sorry. He looks at them, and the disciples shush the guy calling on Jesus. So you know what he does? He cowers away. Nope. It says that he screams even louder. Jesus! Son of David! on me. Jesus hears him, stops, says, bring him. The shushers now become the grabbers, right? The getters. And the shushers come to Jesus and they're like, hey, bro, he called you now. Come on. Here's the faith now. He takes his cloak off and he throws it. It's very hot up here. <laughs> and he throws it, right? And as he throws it and he goes to Jesus, Jesus then asks him a question. What do you want me to do for you? I mean, Jesus, why'd you ask him that? Like the guys, have mercy on me. You call him. You can tell he's blind. Because this is part of faith. And to speak your faith. And to speak faith. You got to declare what you're believing for. You got to speak it. It's not this whole like mumbo jumbo that today's society says, oh, visualize it or, or, or manifest it or all this baloney. No, it's speak it in faith. Align to the word of God. He is healer. So Jesus says, what is it that you want? 
I want to be made whole. I want to be able to see. Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Now let's break down that statement. What is he celebrating in his faith being made well? First things first, he calls out to Jesus, right? But then what does he do? He throws away his cloak. How's he going to find it if he's blind? Have you thought of that for a second? I, I think of weird things. I know. I get it. He threw the cloak. Now, do you know the significance of the cloak back then especially? So if you ever been in any desert type place, it gets really hot during the day, but then it gets very cool in the evening. So the blind man throws the only thing that keeps him warm and walks to Jesus because he knows he's going to see it again. He knows he's going to be able to grab it. Jesus says, your faith, you called on me, you came to me, you cast off that that was your sign of blindness, your sign to everyone. You got rid of it, and now your faith has made you whole. He celebrates faith. One of my favorite ones, go back to Matthew. Go back to Matthew. Pastor, you're reading a lot of scripture references. Yep. We read the word of God. That's a good thing. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 10. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 10. Listen to what Jesus says. When he heard it, I'll tell you what, what it is in a minute. He marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you. Again, he's celebrating faith. He's saying this to everybody who's around him. Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. This is, one, this is why this one's my favorite. The faith that he's celebrating was the faith of a Roman centurion, not even a Jew, not even an Israelite. See, the Roman centurion has a servant at home who's dying, and he goes and finds Jesus and says, Jesus, my servant is dying. And Jesus answers and says, I will go with you. But you know what the centurion said? He said, wait, 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 wait. I'm not worthy of you walking into my home. I, like you, am a man under authority. I tell soldiers, go, and they go. I say this, and they do it. All you need to do is speak the word, and my servant will be made well. And Jesus says, I ain't seen no faith like this anywhere else. The centurion knew if it was spoken, it was happening. Jesus celebrated that faith. And you and I, we need to confront the unbelief, the anxiety, the things that bring anxiety, the things that bring worry, the things that bring fear, the things that bring any of those things that come against our faith. We need to cast them to the side, and then we need to celebrate the wins, the victories, the things of faith that we see. I did something really, really dumb yesterday. It started on Friday, but it concluded yesterday morning. <sighs> if you've known me for any extent of time, I, I, I like to like plan things and leave things done so that it just makes life easier. And so we had a picnic yesterday. And um, part of the preparation was we got to buy all the sodas and all the different things and prepare all the coolers and, and all that fun stuff, right? 
And so on Friday, we got together, Pastor Jose and I, we, we, we bought everything. We got the coolers. We loaded the coolers. We went to, to, to T-Subs and filled it with ice, and we got everything done. We got everything ready. And we, we went, and, and, and Sergio brought his truck over to my house. We put the tables, the chairs, the dominoes. Like, we did everything, right? And we're like, all right, Saturday morning, we just got to go. And, and, and there was just one cooler that had to be put back into the truck on Friday, which was the one that had all the burgers and the hot dogs and all the things that are in the freezer that have to go into the cooler right before you leave, right? I didn't tell anybody to come help me with that cooler. So yesterday at 6.45 in the morning, I load that cooler, and I go to the front of my house. I pull back the tailgate of the truck, and I go to lift the cooler. And now what? And I about lifted a few inches off the ground, and I'm like, ain't no way I'm getting it up here. Like, I ain't power lifting this sucker, right? Like, I, I, I can't do this, right? So, so I put the cooler back down. I go up to the sidewalk, and I'm like, is anybody running, exercising? You know, can I get somebody to help me, right? I contemplate, do I call them and tell them to drive to my house first? You know, whatever. And then it, it hit me. This is all physics, people, right? So I pull the pop-up tank out of the truck, and I put a pop-up tent. It's about eight inches off the ground, and I get the cooler on top of the pop-up tent because I, I could do that. Then I had another thing that was a little bit higher, and I moved the cooler a little bit up, and then I got to a place where I could lift it from that place into the bed of the truck. Watch this now. The faith that you used yesterday will build upon what you need today to get it into the truck. You don't have to do it from the floor to the bed of the truck. You build on the culture of faith. It's why I tell everybody I can, create a victory journal. Get a place where you write down things that God did in your life. When you see him work, when you see answer a prayer on something, you write it down. Why? Because there's going to come a moment when the cooler's too heavy to get it to the bed of the truck, but you go to your victory journal, and it's one pop-up tent, and another pop-up tent, and another crate, and from there, you can get it into the truck. But you've got to know where to go. This journey of faith is continual, and we continue to grow in it, and we do it by speaking faith, we confront unbelief, and we celebrate faith. As we do that, we're able to build a culture of faith. Worship team, you can come up to the altar. We're able to build a culture of faith that'll get us through whatever storm comes our way. We're able to have the strength to fight it and go to the next place, not because of today, but because of the entire journey that we've been through and where we are today. Too many times we get to the place where it's a heavy cooler and a tall surface and we want a miraculous thing. Can God do it? Yes, he can. But man, when he's put different places along the way to get you there, the culture of faith is built. Let me tell you, I'm not perfect. I have moments where I deal with worry and I deal with anxiety or I deal with a fear or I deal with something, but I look back at what God did yesterday and what God did the day before and those moments help the culture of faith be awakened to be able to continue to believe and not just believe, but then receive that that he has for us. So I challenge you this morning on this journey of faith. Speak faith. David says in Psalm chapter 15 or 16, 
He talks about what he speaks, guarding his speech and his thoughts. Church, in order to create a culture of faith, you've got to guard what you speak and what you think. What are you reading? Who are you listening to? And sometimes there's people that we listen to or things that we read that instead of them building our faith, they are quenching our faith. I tell you this morning, confront it and move past it. And when you see faith, celebrate it. Because as you celebrate faith, the culture is built. And can I tell you something? This lost and hurting world needs more faith and more Jesus. We're the answer as we're filled with faith. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Father, this morning we worship you. Father, this morning we thank you. This morning we exalt you. And for, Father, this morning, we ask that that culture of faith in us be built through every decision, through every choice, through everything that we go to do. Father, I, I can't speak for others, but I speak for myself. Lord, in me, confront my unbelief. Confront me, God. As we ask ourselves the question, Would Jesus celebrate our faith or would he confront our unbelief? Father, I pray that I may walk in a way that faith is celebrated. And Father, I pray that over every person listening this morning, whether here, online, or on a podcast, God, that they may allow you to confront the areas that need confronting in order to then be able to celebrate all the areas of faith that they walk into. In Jesus' name. Come on, can you just worship him a few minutes?